I remember having a very childhood traumatic experience where um, I was taken to the emergency room. And when I was taken to the emergency room, a doctor, uh, I had a fever, high fever, and I was, you know, some abdominal pain. I was just was really lethargic and slow. And the, the doc says to, I remember this part. I remember my mom, the doc saying to um, my mom, he said, well, when was the last time she had a bowel movement? My mom looks at my grandmother and my grandmother looks at my mother and they're both like, mm-hmm. <laughs> How old were you? I don't know. I don't know how old I was, but I, I hadn't started school. So I was probably four, three, five. four, mm-hmm. right? But, but, and this is the thing, people think the kids don't remember this stuff, yeah. small, but I absolutely remember, yeah. I remember him asking, when was the last time she had a bowel movement and them looking at each other and then he said, okay, we're gonna give her an enema, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what an enema is, but I do remember having one. <laughs> Cause you'll never forget it, right? And immediately <laughs> after I had that enema, my fever broke. Yeah. Mm. I'm telling you, cleansing is a is a huge part of health. It absolutely is, but it's yeah. also the idea when I put those two things, those two bits of information together, that memory, and then my grandmother saying, you never actually like meat. Yeah. Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today we are joined by April Cunningham, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, health and life coach, also known as The Influencer. Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer. Hopefully you caught our recent episode where we took questions from listeners. And not long after that, we had a real life question from a listener. We were at a dinner party together and April got approached by a friend whose daughter was expressing some... Um, concerns about eating animals. Yeah, she, um, so interesting. She came to me and uh, we're just talking because she knows that um, we talk about these things in Jealous Vegan and in general. Um, And she said that her daughter um, has decided she wants to be vegetarian. She has two, two other children. Jen, correct me. Three. Three other children? Three boys and a girl. Yeah. Ah, she has three other kids and they eat whatever, whatever mom's put, whatever mom puts down. Um, And in this case, the daughter is very much so like she doesn't want it. Mm -hmm. So it sparked this conversation for us because um, it made me think of, um, you know, how does a parent navigate the child's preferences to what extent? And I was saying to you, Jen, that my mom had a real um, reaction to peas when she was growing up. And her parents thought she was just being a diva, like, suck it up. You're going to you know, we we worked hard for this food. You're going to eat what we put on the table, which was a very classic way that, you know, that generation would um, raise children. Mm-hmm. And yet my mom really did have a, a reflex to retch when she would have them. And so she would try to find some creative ways because her parents would be like, well, you're going to sit at that table until you eat those peas. And so she'd have to try to find some cl- some some clever way to hide that she never ate the peas, sticking them under the under the plate or feeding them to the dog or somehow so she could get up. And so I think it's different now. I think um, generationally we're changing now and we're much more um, tolerant, not just tolerant. I think we're more sensitive to the individuality of children. Um, we live in a time of gender non non-binary and gender fluid, right? So I think we're more sensitive to how children are feeling. Um, but, but that's not every household, right? How do you negotiate it? We seem to 
recognize I, I worked with parents who were just like, ah, my cat, my kid has a peanut allergy. <laughs> my cat. Sorry. My cat does too. Going too fast. Slow down. Um, my, Can we just talk? Can I just say real quick that I hate when people act as if their pets are like children? That just drives me crazy, by the way. And that's not what we were Aww. saying, but it just reminded me of that. They can be. I mean, as a previous oh, pet owner. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I forgot who I was can. talking to. No, I think pets become a part of the family. So yeah. I think you care. Okay. You absolutely care. But, but anyway. I mean, I saw a lady pushing a dog in a stroller, and I feel like that's too far. So. <laughs> Yeah, we could have a sidebar about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I do yes. think there are limits. But. Yes. Okay. So her kid has a peanut allergy. So peanuts, right? Okay, my kid has a peanut allergy. Okay, then you're not going to give them peanuts, right? And you're going to try to navigate that, right, generally. But what happens if your child says, I don't want any meat? And mom's go-to dinner is lasagna or spaghetti, right? And the child's like, Chicken I nuggets. don't want that. I'm going to eat. Yeah, I'm gonna eat the salad. Well, how how do you navigate that? And that's the question that sparked like for conscious parenting and sensitivity to children, and at the same time, um, doing it in a way that doesn't create or helps mom or dad, whoever's cooking, feel like okay, I'm satisfying the needs of all the family, and at mm-hmm. the same time, not adding on extra work that is difficult to maintain. Yeah, I'm glad you told the story about your mom because. Even though I'm not of that generation, I feel like our parents raised us very similarly in that what my mother made was what, well, even my dad cooked, but whatever got cooked was what we were eating, you know, and there was no, I don't want that, or I don't like that, or can we have something else? No, this is what we've made. This is what you're going to eat. And we were, you know, poor. So it wasn't like there was a lot of other options either. And there was no wasting food in our house. You know, you, you ate what was on your plate. Um, and so I think that nowadays there is a difference where people don't believe in clean your plate, right? Because like childhood obesity is already off the charts. So no, you shouldn't force your kid to eat more if they're not hungry for it. Um, and I get that there's some, I think that there's a lot happening with people when they're like, no, I've worked hard for that food. You're going to eat it. Or you're not going to be like those entitled kids. You're going to give, you're going to eat what I've given you. I think there's a lot of other things that parents might be thinking about. Not necessarily like, oh, my child is, wants to be a conscious eater, you know? Well, there's a balance, right? Because there are some kids that just be like, no, I only want nuggets. I'm not going to eat this, right? right. And my they, nephew they, they don't have any up. biological reason. They're just like, I don't want that. Right. So there's balance. (laughs) But then how do you negotiate that balance as a parent? And to call out to our listeners, none of us have children. Right. But we were children and we're just thinking of it as we're talking about people. Well, maybe not for a limited time. Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He said for a limited time. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't wait to grow up. Man, couldn't get here fast enough. So it's the idea of like, how do you know when to respond to your child's needs when there's a legitimate need that needs to be addressed and when there's parental license that needs to be taken? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's kind of the difference though, right? Is we are seeing children in a different light. We're recognizing that they're a lot, that they are a lot more aware of things that they are conscious beings. Whereas, you know, previous generations are like, kids are kids. You don't talk about stuff with them. You don't, you know, you don't explain things to kids or kids are seen and not heard. But we are now um, 
we don't have that view of children. Children are very aware and very conscious. And so I think that it becomes a conversation, you know, like, why do you feel like you don't want to eat this thing and let your it? This is what I would do. Like, we'd, I don't have any children, but in my mind, <laughs> this is what I would do is like <laughs> your pretend children. Yeah. If you if you're of that age where you can tell me I don't want to eat these things. OK, like, does it make you feel bad or do you not like the animal part of it? Or like, what is that? Which allows me to then survey. Are you just being like difficult, difficult or right. do you have some real reason? And I think it's to have a conscious child is a beautiful thing because conscious children turn into conscious adults. Right. And you don't ever want to like stunt them from from being a conscious being, because that's going to spill over into other areas of their life where you need them. To, to be, be conscious. conscious people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it's. I think it's going to require more work um, from the parenting perspective, but parenting is work. And um, if I had a child who didn't want to eat a particular thing, I think that's how I would navigate it is, why are we making this decision? And okay, how, how do we navigate that together? Um, and when you talk to kids, it's even when they're really little, I mean, we're talking about three, four, five, to hear how their brain works and the things that they put together, really fascinating. And I think it gives the adult more respect for the child of like, yes, you're a child, but you understand some stuff, you mm-hmm. know? And and that allows you to let them make their own uh, decisions in some other areas because you're like, I get, I see how your brain is is working and moving. And so... I think that's a good thing that we've shifted in that direction, honestly. Of Yeah, and I think it's good. What I marvel about with children is that their emotions are so much more raw. Mm-hmm. They haven't been taught to that it's not polite to be honest. Um, they, they haven't been taught to hide. They haven't been taught to keep secrets. So it's very pure, yeah. generally speaking. Their reactions are very pure. My grandmother says that uh, I was the kid that would eat all my veggies and push my meat around. And I do remember having a very, um, I remember having a very childhood traumatic experience where um, I was taken to the emergency room. And when I was taken to the emergency room, a doctor, uh, I had a fever, high fever, and I was, you know, some abdominal pain. I was just was really lethargic and slow. And the, the doc says to, I remember this part. I remember my mom, the doc saying to Um, my mom, he said, well, when was the last time she had a bowel movement? My mom looks at my grandmother and my grandmother looks at my mother and they're both like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) how old were you? I don't know. I don't know how old I was, but I I hadn't started school. So I was probably three, four. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but, and this is the thing people think the kids don't remember this stuff small, but I absolutely remember. I remember him asking, when was the last time she had a bowel movement? And them looking at each other. And then he said, okay, we're going to give her an enema. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what an enema is, but I do remember having one. Because <laughs> you'll never forget it. Right? And immediately <laughs> after I had that enema, my fever broke. Yeah. Mm. I'm telling you, cleansing is a, is a huge part of health. It absolutely is, but it's yeah. also the idea when I put those two things, those two bits of information together, that memory, and then my grandmother saying, you never actually liked meat. Yeah. Mm. Right? I, I, if, if I were a parent today, that experience would inform how I would yeah. interact with my kids. Like, if I'm seeing that you don't, you eat all the veggies and you, 
like nibble on some meat and you don't really want it, okay, I'm not going to force that on you. I'm going to put some quinoa on there to make sure you get some protein and I'm going to keep it moving. Yeah. So one time I remember um, my mom, which April and I have the same mom. So same mom that doesn't eat the peas. Um, she was making liver and onions and... April loves liver and onions. I hate liver and onions. And I like remember her saying to me, if you're hungry, then you'll eat it. And I was like, I guess I'm not hungry. I will decline. <laughs> and I remember she came to me later and she's like, you, she, I didn't eat it. And she's like, I know she's hungry, you know? But to speak on your point of view, saying that that experience informed how you would then parent, she remembered the peas. So she's like, she doesn't like the liver. Okay. And I remember from then on, she always made me something different mm. when she made the liver um, and onions because I, to this day, I don't like it. It tastes, I don't, I don't know. I don't, there's something about it I don't like. Um, but I do think that that made a difference. Her remembering that she had to eat this thing that she didn't like that genuinely made her sick. And now she's like, going to do it to my child. No, I'm not. I'm going to, I'm going to switch that, you know? And I mm. think that's the goal of every parent, right? Is to be a better parent than even their parents were, yeah. no matter how great your parents were, your goal as a parent is to always be better. Um, and if you can do that in terms of how your children eat and even how they communicate with you and how they're respected by you and how um, they feel overall, then, I mean, that's the goal, I would think. Yeah. We talk a lot about how difficult it is to transition to a plant-based uh, lifestyle, not because the food isn't available or the consciousness isn't there. It's the social aspect of having to dine with loved ones mm -hmm. and to make a transition in, in a way that it's habit change. That's non-trivial. Um, and I, I feel like I bring it up in the sense of like, so if I'm a parent, if I were a parent and I'm staunchly carnival. I believe that meat, everybody needs to have meat. Cause I, maybe that was raised that way. You're supposed to have a little bit of meat and a little bit of veggies and a starch. That's the magic plate air quote. Mm -hmm. Um, would I have some recoil if my child was like, just no meat? Um, how, how are you going to get your protein? What are you going to do then? No, I, you, you'll be skinny. You won't be blah, blah, X something enough. Right. Right. And I wonder if that would invoke some fear in a parent that doesn't <laughs> doesn't have any any intolerances or allergies that they're aware of and they eat meat all the time and they seem to they seem to be fine right, right? um and now you have this kid and it's just like oh snap well now i have to learn something different for their sake and we already know we talk about how difficult that is yeah. not just because of what of, of the resources available but we have to we have to shift our mindset yeah i think that's the so imagine you know we talk about habit change and how difficult it can be as adults right. who get to make our own choices and make the money that buys our food so we get to say what we're going to have and not. Imagine being a child and you don't, you, you can't buy any food. You can't decide to get organic. You don't have, you know, the ability to go in the kitchen and make your own food most of the time. So right. I, I can imagine that it would be very difficult for them. And so it does take a, a caring and loving and patient parent. And aware. Yes. Conscious, too. Because it's a school system thing, too, right? Like, I remember I used to love uh, high school pizza, and I grew up in PG oh County. Oh, my goodness. Yes, and I that pray so that other school systems are we since had it in then. in County, too. Right. Well, I pray that now, oh. uh, 40 years later, that the school system is much more aware and woke to the fact that you can't just, like, 
put on some terrible mozzarella and slap it on a piece of bread with some tomato sauce and call that a lunch. Like, I hope that that's not the case. I'm sure it depends on the economic, where you are in yeah, demographically yeah. in terms of like social and financial status of the community that the school is in. But I remember being severely constipated from eating that pizza. Oh, well, not only that, isn't it funny that when you would eat, when you like whatever the entree was, it was always served with French fries. So we used to eat pizza and, and French, French fries. fries. Whoever thought yeah. that that and chocolate milk? Who thought that was a good meal? Yeah, I basically only ate honey buns. So you that, was my lunch en- that was my entire lunch, like probably mm. from seventh grade to twelfth grade. I mean, mm. just honey buns. That's all I had. Which. Nobody said I couldn't, so I was on a sugar high all day. Surprised you don't have diabetes, girl. All the way up, I know. But I was really active too. I like did gymnastics and like so. I think I was burning it off and like flipping all around and running around. But thank goodness I don't have diabetes. But yes, yes, I'm I'm really glad too. Yeah, no, but I mean I didn't even know that was a thing. I was not thinking about that at all. Mm-mm. So in some ways, I think it's really good that kids are conscious and aware. If you have a child who, you know, is conscious enough that they want to eat differently, I encourage that because so many people, period, go through life just doing the next thing and not ever really thinking about the decisions that they're making. And so if you have a child who is giving thought to those things, I would think that you want to encourage that because it's going to really serve them as they get older. I was thinking when we were talking earlier about how hard it is to navigate having dietary restrictions and going out to eat with people, right? But when you're a a four-year-old and you decide that you're going to be vegetarian or whatever, how does that shift that dynamic when you get to be an older age and you're like, I haven't had chicken since I was four. So I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like navigating the menu is not difficult. I know what I can eat. I know what my options are. So I think there's a bigger picture to look at more than just like your kid being a picky eater. But how does that, how is that then going to shift their life? How do they become, how is that going to change how they become a, a person that's decisive and Conscious. And without limits, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. has that feeling of like anything I want is attainable for me. Like there's a lot more happening mm. than just I'm making this choice not to eat whatever. It's like you you learn to stretch those boundaries and to navigate relationships and to stay on your ground. And mm-hmm. these are all good qualities in an adult mm-hmm. that you don't just turn 18 and develop those qualities. This is where it starts. And so I think Conscious parenting is yeah. is is the key to creating conscious adults. I love that. I love that you mentioned that it's like a a, a crucible event in a child's life that could shift how they see the world and how they engage with it mm-hmm. from a place of confidence versus a place of, uh, uh, a place of fear or scarcity that they won't be in. accepted if they don't eat meat or they won't be accepted if they don't eat what their peers eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's funny that we're even having a conversation about children who don't want to eat um, <laughs> animal who, products. Or who can't. Or who can't, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because in reality, all kids start out as vegans once they're, once they're weaned, right? You don't find like 
pureed meatballs in the baby jars. It's only vegetables, really, that are available, and fruits that are available as baby food. And so it's later that parents were like, oh, I think they're old enough to introduce solid food. And what do they give them? Cut up hot dogs, which is just like the worst food ever. Chicken nuggets. Yeah, and so um, I guess people could just never give their kids meat and the kids would probably be just fine. But um, well, it depends. I think I think you, with children, it's more sensitive. I think. Um, and again, I'll just say Jen's disclaimer. She always said we're not doctors. Right. But I do think kids have a, a growing protein. They do have certain protein needs. They do have calcium needs. So you have to be sensitive to that and and figure out that's the other piece as a conscious parent is, okay, how do you make sure that they have all of their nutrient profile that they that they need in order to grow strong? Maybe not necessarily milk, but they do have calcium needs and they do have protein needs. I'm going to first of all, I feel like that is contrary to everything we've ever talked about. And I'm going to dispute it with the idea that maybe for the first let's say that at around, you know, the one year mark, they stop consuming formula or their mother's milk and they switch to baby food and then they have that until they're like three. So for the two years that they're growing and developing and their brains are developing, you mean to tell me that they're not getting what they need from just eating vegetables? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, I'm saying as they grow and through puberty, our needs change over time. Yes. So, so, so there's so a point a in life where parent. somebody needs to have animal products. No, no. I no, said no, no. I said protein and calcium, which you can get from plant based sources. Yes. It, it has to be conscious where you get those from, and right. if you, especially if you have a child's growing, you want to make sure they're getting those from plant based sources right. and not just eating potato chips to fill it in. That's okay. all I'm saying. Just right. check. They do have nutrient needs. Right. Yes. That they need to get, and Agreed. as a parent, you got to be conscious of that um, as they move through life. Until they until they are able to until they're adults, right? And that makes sense. Is I retract my <laughs> thank dis- you dispute guns up. Yeah. Thanks. You I got get up on it. it. I know she has so much real fast. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the show is about to start <laughs> in this corner. Um, but I do also understand um, what we're talking about being conscious parents and making sure that your kids get everything. Uh, parenting already can be a difficult task and then adding a layer to that because it's so much easier to just grab them some milk and give them some chicken and you kind of know that they have what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can understand the frustration that a parent might have by having this added layer of a child that doesn't want these things that are so easy for me because I know how to give this to you. Mm-hmm. But then they go on sale and they're somewhat inexpensive. It's, yeah. a, it's abundant. Oh, by the way, I had a hard day at work, so I really don't want to think hard about. Right. Yeah. I'm just going to stop at McDonald's on the way Can home. Can I just feed you? And Chick-fil-A. then I need to yeah. go do the five million other things I need to do for my air quote second job of running a home. Right. Yes. But at the same time, it's really important that parents take that time um, because that's what parenting is about, right? I mean, it's important that you take that time if that's what your your child needs. And I say this as a person that does not have children. I definitely don't have multiple children. And, you know, so I can't, you know, take that with a grain of salt of, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. But to that's how I would think I would do it. Mm-hmm. Which, and to just add on to that, I feel like from what I know of 
um, my friends and family and people that I know and clients who have children, American parenting is very isolating. It is different across the ocean, is different in other places where ch- having children is a part of a person's life. Yeah. So everybody helps to raise those children. Everyone yeah. helps to watch over them. There's lots of support. So a yeah. parent doesn't have to feel alone. What I hear from American parents are that they are um, afraid they're going to mess it up. They are um, stressed. Overwhelmed. Ostracized from their social circles if those people don't have children. Well, that, not ostracized. It works on both sides. There's a divide. When you start to have kids, it's like, okay, go find people who have kids. And the people who don't have kids are just like, okay, they, they kind of, you know, basically go find other people who don't have kids, right? There's this divide that kids are not at the dinner table um, if you're dining out, right? There's, something happens. Whereas when, I, when I'm looking overseas, when I see um, international families who just have an, an ingrained, their cultural context is such that children are around. Um, and that is expected, um, that it's a totally different way that they approach parenting and they can approach it in a conscious way and without feeling that they need to be, they need to do everything right. They, they have aunts and uncles and cousins and yeah. grandmas around and they absolutely get support. Yes. So, so to the point we live, like com- compassion, American parents, what I've seen in my experience, they are very isolated yeah. and it's not fair. Yeah. When we were in Europe, I thought that was the most interesting thing in Spain, that, you know, the restaurants closed from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. And we would go out to dinner at, you know, 8.39, 9.30. And there would be families with younger kids at dinner. And I was always like, shouldn't they be in bed? <laughs> but to them, it was just, of course, of course, we're going to take our kids to dinner they have to eat too, you know? No, they're not leaving them at home with the babysitter um, and feeding them at 6.30, you know? So it's, yeah. it is a very different attitude and culture. Yeah, and I always wonder what the long-term differences are for kids who are raised in those sort of environments, right? Like how it shows up and how they engage with, with people. I think sometimes, well, here in the U.S., we put all the kids together for kids to play with kids mm-hmm. and hang out with kids and only be with kids and only people with kids can be with people with kids. You know, it's like <laughs> it's you were saying, it's, it's a real divide, but then kids don't learn how to navigate with teenagers or adults and adults don't know what to do around kids and everybody's all awkward because nobody yeah. was like, ooh, we don't really fit in the same pool, but. The parents don't want to come out with the kids because they don't want to annoy their friends without the kids. And the friends without the kids are like, I, my God, you got the screaming, crying thing at the table. Like, yeah. that, but, but the screaming, crying thing needs love yeah. from everybody. <laughs> and I think that's a good point, though, Lisa, because you were saying earlier how if you are raising a conscious child, how that impacts their ability to stand up for themselves and be confident in their decisions and not feel like they have to succumb to societal pressures. I think it works the other way around too with kids. If you socialize them with people of different ages, I think they have greater compassion. Mm -hmm. They understand that the world isn't their experience. And I think that gives them empathy to deal with different groups of people when they're adults that some people still as adults seem to lack. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It brightens broadens their context, right? And I think kids understand a lot by observing. Um, They're very, very in tune with what's happening around them and people's emotions and things that are not said better than adults sometimes Mm -hmm. because 
especially when they're really little, that's all they have. They can't really talk. So they're just like, I'm trying to figure out this whole situation yeah. and keep my mouth shut. Uh, <laughs> you know, kids kind of know. But um, to speak to April's point about people feeling like they can't go out with their kids and babies crying, it's because people don't embrace kids. You know, I think kids are such a beautiful thing and they help keep adults like young in the mind and uh, I love the way that kids think outside mm-hmm. of the box and help keep you creative and and I kids are a very important part of culture and society um, and I don't think that we should isolate them the way that we do and I don't think that um, we should previous generations have said, you know, kids should be seen and not heard mm-hmm, and right. don't worry about kids or whatever. But kids, they bring the fun and mm-hmm. they bring an entirely different perspective. And I think we should embrace that in all avenues. So bring your kid out. <laughs> let's dine together. Let's let them scream. Absolutely. It's fine. Let's let some people get uncomfortable. It's okay. <laughs> so I, 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 It's I, one of the things I'm hungry for. I wish there was more diversity in my social circle where mm-hmm. there were people with kids and people without kids and young people like okay we'll figure out let's figure it out right mm-hmm. I think I'm with you up until the let the kids scream and run around no. when I oh, and maybe you didn't mean that literally but I think that that's probably the difference between my experience in Europe with people um, dining with their children and a lot of times in America is that these kids are so misbehaved or they misbehave so badly that they cause a disruption for all the diners. Not just the people at your table. They're running around, they're touching stuff, they're standing on the back of the seat, they're you know, kicking the chair in front of them. They're, they're just doing stuff um, that makes it harder for everybody else. But when I was a kid, when we went out, we sat at the table with our parents and we didn't make a bunch of noise and run around and do stuff. We, because our parents talked to us and they made us feel like we belonged. So it's the same thing as like when somebody who's been poor all their life wins the lottery. I mean, what do they do? Run out and do all the crazy stuff that they're not supposed to do. Right. Whereas but people who were raised with money or whatever, it's, it's, it's not a deal. thing for them. So the more you isolate a child and you don't take them out. Well, yeah. All I know is running around in the living room and coloring <laughs> on the walls. So I'm when you're not here. And I'm allowed to do that freely. Yeah. yeah. So why is this environment any different? Yeah. yeah. And, I'm not, and I don't know what to do here. So I'm just going to do what I always do. So I think if you take kids out. You have to train them. They learn. Yes. An okay. environment. Yes. There, there was something I was reading. I can't remember quite where. But, um, oh, it's in a book I'm reading. And she said she, when she was in Europe, the author is a woman. Um, and she went to Europe. She said she went to visit her cousin. And when she was there visiting her cousin for the summer as a young person, I think she said she was a teenager, her cousin, um, also a female, they, she had a group of friends. They would go out and for on a Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, Sunday evening. Their thing was to go and have gelato and wander around the Times Square. And they had the most amazing time. Um, she said her, for her, her experience was to go out on a Saturday night. We go out, we get wasted. We just drink as much as we could drink. And she mm-hmm. said for her cousin, who was about the same age, That wasn't a thing for her. She said, but also her cousin was accustomed to having wine on the table. And it was not a thing if she had a sip of wine with her dinner because it was just understood like it's not a big deal. Just have wine. I'm not advocating for parents to let their kids drink wine. But I'm just saying when you, to Lisa's point, like when you're raised with it, when you're socialized in a way that it's not a big deal. This is just a part of life. It's not hard. And you don't also feel like you need to like 
do something dangerous or yeah. special because what's to, to her cousin it's wine yeah. what's the big deal what's the, what's the big that's deal, not right? as much fun as having gelato and what people watching in this you know yeah. sorry what are you doing right and it's that context it's yeah. the cultural context yeah. on which people are raised so I, i'm actually surprised i was thinking earlier about how when you think about kid movies how kids how, how, how why haven't more kids become um, connected to the animals that we end up eating. So like, like Bambi, like not everybody eats venison, but it's out there, right? And at some point, I guess, do they figure out that like babe is bacon or pork chops or, you know? I had no idea. Yeah, because I would think that they would see these movies plate. and they would love these characters and then they'd say, I can't, I can't eat that, that's my friend, you know? But some kids do. I mean, I've seen the videos, like, online. There's this one is actually really cute with this little boy. And um, he's talking to his mom about, you know, well, what, are, what are we about to eat, you know? And she's like, oh, it's chicken. And he's like, but aren't chickens alive? And his mom's like, yeah, well, we killed the chicken. And he's like, but we're not supposed to kill, like, the animals. Like, we're supposed to take care of the animals. And, like, and he said, I don't want to eat the chicken. I don't, no, I don't want to eat the chicken, which is a level of consciousness that yes. I don't feel like we had growing up. Mm -mm. And, yeah, I didn't. Um, I think it should be embraced. Yes, you have this level of consciousness. And this little, he can barely talk. He has to be maybe three, maybe four. But he has to be like three or four. And to have that bit of like, yeah, no, I'm supposed to love these things and take care of these things. I don't want to, I don't, well, you had to kill it. Which, yeah. Uh, you know, he was like, I don't, I don't want it, you right. know? But right. we didn't have that. So mm -mm. I say embrace the consciousness. As long as it's not like a bratty, I just want to get my way and make your life difficult. Right. But if you have kids who are genuinely just conscious and aware and making choices for themselves, to the best of, you know, your ability, I would say embrace it. Mm -hmm. And cure, help them curate that, help yeah. them the culture, mm -hmm. to yeah. uh, create a culture where they they can, they feel okay to express themselves. They may not always get their way. That That's a, also classic human training, right? You may not always get what you ask for. Yeah. But at ask. least ask yeah. in a respectful, tactful way. At least ask. Let's have a dialogue about it. And we'll see where we go. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us on social media at The Jealous Vegan on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or at thejealousvegan.com, and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content to support your plant-based journey. And until then, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. <laughs>